Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober. Welcome to The Appropriate Omnivore. I'm your host, Aaron Zober. This is episode three of the series all about the beef. In our previous episodes, we talked about buying fresh, sustainable meat. In this episode, we're shifting the focus to the frozen meal. I recently published an article on my blog about this. If you asked me a few years ago what frozen meals use pastured meats, I wouldn't be able to name any. Additionally, frozen entrees would typically contain sugars and hard-to-read ingredients. This new trend of real foods is great for those both wanting to transition to a cleaner diet and those of us who have been keeping this lifestyle for years. Now, there are several products on the market that sell frozen, ready-to-cook meals using all sustainable meats and veggies. Here to talk to me about this is Angela Mavridis, the CEO and founder of Trabali Foods, winner of the Nexty for Best New Frozen Food Product. Angela, welcome to the program. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. I met you at the Natural Products Expo when I discovered your food. And it was one of several products I noticed where we're now seeing real foods uh, made into frozen meals that are you know easy for people to just take out of the freezer and cook. And I think it's such a great thing. And it was only a matter of time before I saw this happen. Right. And I think people are always seeking the convenience factor of having something in their freezer that they can pull out and have ready to either feed themselves or the families in under 10 minutes. And that's where we fit in. Of course, our preference is to always eat fresh, but I don't know about you, life gets in the way. And there's times where we haven't prepped, we haven't prepared, we haven't planned And it's nice to have sort of the backup plan that, you know, you can open that freezer and there's a trustworthy brand in there that will deliver clean label ingredients on the transparent sourcing and on the flavorful food. So I think that's where we fit in. We've got the um, grass-fed and finished burger patties and the free-range chicken. They're organic. And the ingredients on the back uh, read like something your nine-year-old can identify and source. We definitely don't want any binders or fillers or additives and preservatives. And I think in the past, for reasons of cost savings, um, a lot of those binders and fillers were added into the back of frozen food items to um, just bring down the cost. But there's a way to get around it and still deliver on price and taste. That does happen to me because a lot of times something can happen, say, actually have food well stocked for the week, but sometimes there's a night where I think I'm going to be out and I'm not, or I just kind of forget about it. And so I don't have anything ready when I come home. So I think a frozen meal comes in great advantage there. Absolutely. And, you know, I found as a nutritionist, when I was coaching clients one-on-one, everyone seemed to know what they needed to do. Everyone agreed that we need to unprocess our diet. We need to eliminate high carbs and sugars. We need to eat from real source and real food. The problem that that a lot of people were facing was either I don't have time or I don't know how to cook. I got a lot of that. So when I developed my product, I thought, how can I make it both convenient and easy to use? So we're in the freezer and we cook straight from frozen. Like you don't even need to defrost. Five minutes per side. I mean, all you have to do is light up a cast iron pan and you're good to go. And it does give the consumer that 
just knowledge that the item that they're pulling out of their freezer keep in line with their healthy eating habits. Because if the biggest obstacle to eating healthy is I didn't have time and I didn't plan and I didn't prep, then there should be brands that deliver for those needs. You shouldn't throw out your diet just because you didn't have time to prep. A lot of people do do that. Like, I just have time today, so I'm just going to go by the drive-thru, and that's not the solution. (laughs) I would rather you just open that freezer and have something you could prep in like I said, in under 10 minutes. So there's a need out there for something like this. And so as you've explained, you have this business and you said also you're a nutritionist. So how did you get started with cooking real food in the first place? A couple of factors. First and foremost, we're Greek. And growing up in a Greek household, a lot of celebrations and family gatherings are around food. So food is our passion. Uh, Not only that, my family is in the food restaurant business. So here in Southern California, Pasadena, we actually own fast food, hamburger drive-thrus, barbecue, Southern Comfort restaurant. We don't own a Greek restaurant, but we own restaurant here. So we're in the food service business, and we love to cook. I was cooking with my grandmother from age five. I remember being in the kitchen in Greece with her, where I grew up, and cooking from the Mediterranean diet, which was basically from the land and this we had a you know a beach house down by a fishing village and every day she would send me down into the village to pick from the farmer's market all the vegetables and meats or seafood that we would eat for that day so everything was fresh everything was like i said either caught or grown that week and we just sort of cooked from scratch i learned to just make things up on the fly of what we had purchased that day And that was a really healthy way of eating and just taught you what ingredients go with what. And it was based on the Mediterranean diet where we put olive oil, oregano, and lemon and salt on everything, even our ice cream, believe it or not. Um, (laughs) Well, salt on ice cream is great. Yeah. I see that coming back a little bit, sea salt caramel. (laughs) And so that's how I grew up, being comfortable in the kitchen and knowing what ingredients go with what. But then at the age of 13, in my quest for the healthiest way of eating, I decided I was going to become a vegetarian. And I think with the knowledge I knew then, um, and given all the low-fat and saturated-fat concerns and 100-calorie pack, that's the protocol I decided to go on. Again, if I knew then what I know now, I would have never done vegetarian diet. I think I was doing it wrong too at the age of 13. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just abstaining from meat. So 35 years of that, I ended up with some deficiencies. And, you know, like I say, my hard drive kind of crashed. It just wasn't working properly. And I thought it's got to be nutrition because I do feel like, you know, whenever we have any ailments, whether they're joint pain or arthritis or even you know now they're finding dementia everything kind of starts with the basis of food are you nourished properly are you eating a well-balanced diet are you getting all your vitamins and minerals to support your hormones so i looked there first and foremost and that's when i studied nutrition i really wanted to dive deep into how does food affect us and you know as our greek philosopher has said it could either be your poison or your medicine so i thought you know i'm going to incorporate a little bit of meat back into my diet after 35 years. And that's when I sourced it myself. I wanted the highest quality. I was more concerned with quality over quantity. Again, I don't feel we need too much on a daily basis, four to six ounces, depending on your size and build and gender per meal. And so I sourced grass-fed and finished beef, wild-caught seafood, pastured lamb and pork, free-range chicken and turkey, just the highest or pastured chicken too, I tried that. The highest I can source from family farm. And I tried it 
and I never look back. I feel more satiated now. I feel more satisfied. I feel healthier than I've ever felt, energized, and I really do think it has to do with food. So that was my journey, how I came about to incorporating it back into my diet and then diving even deeper and manufacturing it to give it to the world. I completely agree about the quality over quantity. It's a great philosophy to have with food, especially because it can be very cost-effective too, such as when I buy a New York strip steak and it's like eight ounces, I can just eat half of it and you have half for later. So you kind of get double pleasure out of it, I guess you could say, by doing right. that also. Right. There is a little bit there because grass-fed and finished beef can be pricier than your feedlot conventional meat. And so, you know, I encourage people to look at the cut of meat as well. Like you said, we don't need a huge amount, but we can also, instead of buying tenderloin and, and filet mignon, you can get the chuck, the roast, the ground meat. You're still getting the health benefits that come along with grass-fed and finished beef, but you're getting a less expensive cut. And that's kind of where I tried to source the less expensive, but flavor it with various herbs and spices and vegetables and purees from my background, and then, you know, make it in a patty form, which is single packs of four-ounce patties. So you can just pull out one. If it's just an individual person, you could pull out two. You could pull out the whole pack of four. But I wanted them portion-controlled and individually packed and already seasoned and flavored. And we have the Mediterranean beef, which has all the notes of the Mediterranean, where I grew up, and the umami beef, which is a little shiitake mushrooms, nori seaweed, and a little bit of fish sauce, and the chipotle chicken. So by having them pre flavored it just makes life so much easier for, from a convenience standpoint. I like the idea that you have them seasoned. I think it's a good answer to that whole excuse of people say, oh, ground beef is so boring. And I think if you find it boring, then you're clearly not eating it right. You think just cooking the ground beef on a grill or, you know, in a sauteing pan and you don't add any flavor to it because there's so many ways that you can make it exciting just by the way you flavor it. I think people though, all they think is the burger, which then you top with things like a bun and a lot of the sugary sauces like ketchup and that. And they don't realize that you can do things actually the ground beef too. Like you said, one of them is the Greek flavor one that you had. So I wanted to go into that as you explain your Greek background and your thoughts on this Mediterranean diet, which a lot of people talk about now. Right. I mean, it's been around for eons, right? Um, and there's a reason that one of the blue zones is up in Icaria, which is in the northern part of Greece. And that blue zone is just where people live to, you know, centennials. They live over 100 and they're, they study what they eat. And we look at their plates, but it's food from the land and the sea. And it's just real food. And I think the Mediterranean diet encompasses a lot of olive oil so we're not afraid saturated fat was vilified for so many years here in, in america mm -hmm. but in europe they've always eaten olive oil and good fats from healthy raised animals so there's nothing wrong with saturated fat i think we had skewed so far into the fat-free world for so long and and you can see what that's done to our population and the higher diabetes higher obesity than we've ever recognized before and those things don't exist much in europe and i think it is because the mediterranean diet is more just healthy fats good source of proteins and lots of vegetables three quarters of your plate is vegetables whether they're grilled or roasted or baked or sauteed or fresh or raw it's a big vegetable with some meat 
and some seafood, but those are more condiments, four to six ounces. Like I said, your plate isn't a big plate of, you know, meat. Even the paleo diet too, which my product is paleo certified because I was, even the word paleo is a Greek word meaning the paleolithic way of eating is it's not all this caveman, lots of meat diet. It's more just unprocessing your diet and taking all the garbage that we're eating these days and going back to more real food. And I think everyone can agree that a diet like that gives you the most nutrient density, the best health properties, and eliminates all the inflammatory issues that, you know, are causing our chronic diseases of the modern day. That's fascinating that paleo comes from Greek. I remember learning in social studies in school about how so many of the words we have come from Greek. So I guess not totally surprising (laughs) that paleo comes from Greek. Yeah, actually the word paleo means old. Like when we describe something and we want to say it's old, we say paleo. But the full meaning of paleolithic is the back to the old age of ancestral ways. But yeah, I even talk about my journey. I feel like I grew up eating paleo or Mediterranean or real food or whatever you want to call it. I got confused coming back here to the States where it was fast food everything, low fat this, sugar free that. And of course, that didn't do me any good. I was vegetarian, not doing that right. And then I sort of circled back five years ago to eating the way I grew up eating, which is, again, just real wholesome foods. And if you are going to buy, because like we mentioned, our lives are busy. So if you are going to buy anything from a box, a package, or a bag, my criteria are turn it over and make sure you can identify those ingredients. And there should be five or less or six or less. As long as you can source them and identify them in the grocery store, then it's okay to put in your cart. It's when those ingredients are a science project and you don't know what they are, that's the kind of food that just does us harm, Um, both on our waistline and internally, stuff that we can't even see or identify until it's, you know, years later and we're suffering all sorts of chronic diseases. So, I do think it all starts with food. (laughs) And that was mine and I think many other people in this real food community, whether it's Paleo, Primal, Weston Price. That was our concern about all these frozen meals, why we always felt to make food from scratch was best, was that you would see all these chemicals and stuff, all these preservatives. We were almost under this illusion that it was needed to have these ingredients to make a frozen meal to last. And obviously with your product and with many others that I've seen at these expos, it can be done, which of course I knew it could. I'd actually said to a friend of mine who said how he always likes to make meals from scratch. I said, well, I do too, but some people don't have the time to do this. And I think it would be a great idea to have companies start making frozen meals from real food. So we're seeing this now. Your food is an excellent example of it because like you said, it's got minimal amount of ingredients and there's no sugars, no types of chemical ingredients that are hard to read. You also mentioned it has paleo certification. Are there other certifications that your product has? Yeah. So because I am a nutritionist and I was studying sort of the paleo way of eating, I also have done a couple whole 30s. And I think there's a big community of people wanting to do a 30-day elimination of inflammatory ingredients in their diet. So I did get a whole 30 certification or approval rather. We are also non-GMO project verified because I think that's an important 80% of the products and packaged products in the market are GMO derivatives from GMOs. So I thought it was important to have that as a claim to make sure people knew that, again, I'm only using herbs and spices, but just to know that nothing has been derived from GMO ingredients. And then we are also organic. Uh, Our meats are organic, grass-fed and finished, like I um, mentioned. 
and naturally gluten, soy, and dairy-free. And you're right, you know, a lot of, if you can make it in your home, it was, it was a tricky process for us because we were making these patties in the house. We had like Moroccan lamb and Greek pork and Mediterranean beef and the Chipotle chicken. If you can make them in your house, put them in the freezer and they last, how do we scale this to be put on the you know, market shelf to last a year for the consumer? And so that's the part where I had to find how to scale this product. And I did meet with various food scientists and co-packers whose suggestion it was, why don't you add some soy protein isolate to bind aye, it aye, together aye. and make it last long? I know. And bring down your cost of the meat. And I, I can't even tell you how many meetings I'd be in shaking my head. Not going to happen. Not in this. I'm going to figure out a way of how to make what I made in my kitchen at a scale level without adding this stuff in. Oh, but it'll bring your cost down. You can higher margins. I mean, that's all great considerations, but I'm going to figure out a way to make it without compromising my ingredient list. So there is a way. <laughs> you just have to keep at it. There is a way. But you're right. I mean, you, there's melted dextrin in those fillers. There's all sorts of stuff. And like you said, sugar is a big one because you can add that. It makes the food more palatable. It makes us addicted to it. We crave it more when we hide sugar. And you can hide things under, you know, I've learned so much, but you can hide all sorts of things under natural flavors where you actually don't have to identify exactly what it is. So that's another sort of hidden code when you see natural flavors on the back of an ingredient label. Sometimes it's best to even call the company, and, and I have on occasion, to find out what those natural flavors are. And some will say, you know, it's an extract from blueberries, which is fine. Others might tell you, you know, we can't give you that information, which just makes me a little suspicious because there are loopholes for a manufacturer to stick things in the ingredient list that are subpar. So. Yeah, you got to be a detective when you're out there <laughs> trying to eat from packages or boxes. When you say calling the company, is this for products to use for yours or is this for just other products that you buy? Other products, yeah. I mean, I've called companies to say, I'm sorry, I'm looking at your ingredient list. There's something on here I can't identify. Can you help me understand what this is? There's nothing wrong with doing that. If, if companies are transparent and authentic and the ingredients they're using, they should be, first and foremost, to let you know as a consumer what we're using, how we're making it. And that's an important factor, at least to us. Like I want everything exposed out there and identifiable so that people look at it and say, yes, I know what parsley is. I'm familiar with garlic. I've used tomato paste. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that at all because I myself do that. With me, it's a lot of email writing. I look up these companies on their website and I send emails to them asking about ingredients. Yes, I've done that too with many, Absolutely. asking them about things because like there's a lot of ingredients that you see on it that a lot of people don't realize can often come from gm corn so i've done a lot of mm -hmm. that also ask companies about if their meat is truly grass-fed because you do see some of this now where they say it starts as grass-fed but it's not grass finished sometimes there's even times in the middle point. where it's not fed grass in the middle of it so yes i've done a lot of that i've also done a lot of asking questions at these events like the Natural Products Expo. I've asked companies, is your meat grass-fed and other things? Is your gelatin grass-fed? Questions like that. So right, right. I'm and with you there. And that's such an important factor you just brought up. Yeah, you just brought up such an important um, point because we are lucky to live here in California where the weather is complementary most of the year. So 
my farms are here, uh, the farmers are here in California, actually Northern California in Humboldt County, where I actually went, visited the farms, met the farmers, talked to them about their practices, saw the humane treatment of the animals that they use, and um, witnessed the, you know, how they rotate the animals to feed them grass, the majority, uh, you know, and they'll move them to pastures, because if there's a dry season and we don't have rain and it's dry. They have to move them to pastures that do have grass. And they explained to me this process and what goes into it. And so I can vouch for it and I could claim on my box 100% grass fed and finished. And, you know, there is no governing body to, like a governmental governing body to monitor the claims of grass fed yet. So when you see a box that says just grass fed, that doesn't necessarily mean that the cow was raised, born on grass, raised on grass, and finished his life on grass. It could, the last part, like, because all cows start their life on grass. So you can put grass fed on anything, really. But they are moved to a feedlot in the later part of their lives. And that's where, you know, you could dupe the consumer again. Because people see grass fed, it's a higher price, they purchase it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it, you know, the animal spent its entire life on pasture. So, there's a lot of differentiation there, and that's why it was important for me to say 100% fed and finished. And I vouched. I went. I saw. I was able to put that on the box because, you know, exactly. If I'm going to eat it myself, I wanted to make sure that it is what I'm what I'm claiming it is. So, um, yeah, you've got to be a discerning consumer out there. It's not if you really care about what you eat and we're conscious consumers, then. It just takes a little diligence to vet the company and make sure that what they're putting on their package is actually what they're, what they're serving. That's a very good point you bring up about visiting the farms. I know Michael Pollan talks about that in Omnivore's Dilemma, that you should always know your farmer, know where your food comes from, make sure that what you're eating truly lives up to what it says. Do you do a similar process with the spices and the seasonings, the plants that you use? to go with the patties? We don't, unfortunately. I mean, there's such a minor component of the ingredients that I just wanted to make sure they weren't derivative from any GMO process or, or product. So um, I did not. I mean, there's been just big companies out there that source, you know, the little herbs and spices for us and make them. So I just wanted to make sure they weren't derived from GMO, but I, I haven't gone to all the farms. And even our um, ingredients on the back are, the spice one is a proprietary spice one that we have made specifically for us to bring out the flavor of each profile. And the rest of the ingredients are just like tomato paste and garlic puree and little fine fire roasted onions and bell peppers, but they are all clean, clean ingredients. Well, I would agree that probably the one that needs the most vetting is the meats because there's so much room for what can go wrong and the ways that you could, like we were talking about, mislabel something as grass-fed versus with organic veggies. I think there's a lot less room of really what could go wrong and that they could really be unsustainable, unlike where meat often is mispromoted. Sometimes it's lied about how good it is. Right. And there's just such health benefits. I'm looking at it from a nutrient density perspective. And grass-fed and finished beef comes with 
a better omega-6 to omega-3 ratio, more of a one-to-one ratio, which is rare for meats these days. It's higher in CLAs, higher in vitamin A, K, B12 complex vitamins. It's got good minerals like zinc and potassium and selenium. So there's lots of benefits where just feed.beef is not only void of a lot of these, but um, a lot of the toxins are stored in the fat of feedlot beef, and it also just doesn't deliver a good omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. It's definitely higher in the omega-6 fatty acids. So, you know, from a nutritional perspective, it's just a powerhouse. I mean, now that I'm eating meat again, I, I would almost venture to say it's a new superfood, <laughs> grass-finished <laughs> beef. All you need is a little bit, but it could do your body wonders. So that's how I feel about it. Agreed. I know a nutritional therapist said to me one time that Meat should be never more than a third of your plate. Is that something you would agree with? I would. I say, even when I was training clients, I would say, look at your plate. Build your plate as produce, protein, and healthy fat. So fill it up with produce, whatever that is, whether you want to grill it or chop it or saute it. A little bit of protein, again, four to six ounces, depending on your gender, your build, and your goals. And just sprinkle it with healthy fat. And fats are not to be feared anymore. It's not, um, especially the fats from a good grass-fed and finished uh, steak or beef. Those are the good healthy fats. So I would definitely agree to that. Yeah, that's something that would surprise a lot of people is actually by following this diet of along the lines of like Weston Price paleo is that I've actually learned to eat more vegetables because you need those along with it. And that's the truth. I think it's a misconception that the idea of paleo means eating this like 12 ounce porter steak it's not and right. you talk to the nutritionists in the field and they'll tell you no you got to have a lot of good vegetables mm-hmm. and of all types there's many different types there's like the cruciferous Absolutely. vegetables i mean back in the paleolithic day i think there were 800 different species of vegetables that we were able to pick from and eat and now we go to the market and we sort of rotate the same 10 <laughs> over and over. I mean, there's a lot more there. I spent last Saturday at the farmer's market, and I came across ones I had never even seen before. I don't even recall the names, but I thought, you know what? I follow the rule of try something new, especially a vegetable, every week. So I bought a few unidentified. I don't even think I know what they were or if I've ever tried them again and tossed them in my salad. And I think it's important to have one big fatty salad a day. You know, mix all the greens in there, different colors of the rainbow sprinkle it with some good olive oil and then accompany it with your choice of protein. So yeah, it's a good healthy way of eating. And I think the paleolithic or the paleo diet had that more caveman stigma, more of a marketing play to come out with all sort of paleo treats and paleo sweets and eat meat and the caveman thing. But that's not what it's about at all. It's definitely more of a just unprocess your diet, vegetables, a little bit of fruit, good quality, high quality animal protein and healthy fat. Pretty simple, actually. I mean, I think we complicate it a little bit more than it needs to be. It is pretty simple. And it's just back to real food, real homemade food. I mean, you do end up cooking a little bit more and preparing a little bit more for yourself because, you know, you have a bit more control. But I think, you know, as I tell my kids, I think if you get involved and make it fun, it could be therapeutic. You can spend a little time in the kitchen. You don't need to spend entire Sunday prepping for the week. You just need to plan and spend a little time in the kitchen and have a few sources in your freezer for the convenience factor, too. I agree. It's good to have one salad a day. Another thing that 
I think something easy to make, which I also recommend to eat a lot of, is some type of soup. And what you can do with that is you really don't need to put any like additional like cuts of meat in it if you don't want to, but just have a soup that's based on like uh, beef bone broth. And so there you're getting your meat and saturated fats, but you're not overdoing it either. You might even, some people may not realize that sometimes soups can have essential meat in them while they're just veggies on the top. It's based on a broth that comes from a meat. Right. And you know, what's so interesting to me is, you know, having been born in Greece and growing up there and spending all every single summer until I was in my teens with my grandmother in Greece, the entire summer, all these things that now are being touted as such health benefits, bone broth, even organ meats into your diet. This is the kind of stuff that my grandma who had so much wisdom and knowledge would serve us and make for us if we had a tummy ache or if we were iron deficient or she would cook food to nurture us and to heal us. And I do remember her making bone broth soup with all sorts of wonderful vegetables in it where the meat just melts off the bone and you get all that collagen in there. And I had no idea what that was back then. And now, you know, you're even buying it at the market and eating it regularly. You know, bone broth is just touted for all its health benefits. So I think she knew something way back when. (laughs) Collagen is another big trend in it. I know at the keynote speech at the Natural Products Expo, they explained that collagen, I believe, was at 30% of the market. So that's a new, another new product we're seeing along with the frozen meals. So going back to that, as we're talking about having a lot of veggies to go along with your meats, what are some foods, some things that you would recommend for people to eat along with your patties? So they are a burger patty. At the end of the day, you can put it inside a bun with lettuce, tomato, pickles, ketchup, mustard, whatever, relish, and make a burger if that's the way you choose to eat it. And that's how we're sort of familiar with the patty. That's what we do with the patty. But because I have already flavored it so deliciously and uniquely, it is meant to stand alone and be and take center plate on your plate. So I encourage people to use it as their four ounce piece of protein for their plate and accompany it with either zucchini noodles or cauliflowered rice or a, a nice big fatty salad, you know, where you do need a source of protein. So you, you grill it and, you, and then you just chop it up into little bite-sized pieces and toss it over your salad. I mean, that's the way I've presented it on the box and that's the way a lot of people are using it. I didn't want to put it in a bun only because I think everybody knows how to use it that way. Oh, and totally. I wanted to differentiate our... <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to differentiate ours. As a matter of fact, when I presented it to Whole Foods to, you know, because that's where we're sold now, presented it to them and they tried it. They thought, they said, this is so flavorful. This is not just a patty. This is a meal. And I thought, God, I'm going to use that tagline, which is true. It's meant to stand alone because it's so flavorful and be center plate. But I'll tell you, I mean, my kids sometimes have it in a burger. They love it. So, but if you're to eat it a little bit, maybe paleo style or horse food, you're going to put it with those grilled veggies or, or a variety of ideas. And you can actually go to my website under recipes. We've come up with all sorts of practical uses of how you can have this patty. And even on my Instagram, I love seeing folks that purchase it and hashtag us with my Tribali and show how they use it. And um, I tell you, the majority of people are not putting it in the bun. <laughs> I love cauliflower rice. I started making that a few months ago. Yeah, great addition to food. And it's a great way to have grain-free rice. That's excellent. Cauliflower right, couscous, right. that's There's also good. Yeah, I mean, you could do, like I said, it's your protein source. 
so you can put it next to anything else you want on your plate, and it's already delicious. Yeah, and some people, you know, can grill it outside on the grill. I mean, we've been using it on a cast iron skillet in the kitchen, which just makes life easy. Pull it out, you cook it straight from frozen. And we're also coming out with uh, some breakfast options here because I found a lot of my users were saying, we love your product, but we would love to see something in the morning because that's where we kind of struggle with our protein store. And, you know, we want to think outside the cereal box, right? We're not, we're not doing the cereals and granolas. We want to think, like, how are we going to get some healthy fats and good source of protein in the morning to start our day? So we're coming out with some great little mini sliders that can be either used as sliders or as a breakfast source, and we've got pork and sage and chicken and apple, which are phenomenal, and those are coming down the pipeline this year, so that's an exciting new product. Excellent. Do you have any other new products in the future? Well, we have a lot of those flavors that I had mentioned before, and we'll see what resonates with customers most. We have a wonderful Moroccan lamb patty, a Southwest salmon, a Thai turkey, so you can really just take any high-quality animal species, grind the meat, and then just incorporate flavors from the world. And we're really into sort of the global inspiration of what flavors resonate with people and they'd like to see and combine it with the appropriate animal protein. And then make it into a patty or a meatball, or we could do meatloaf or little slider. So there's various applications, various animal proteins, and various flavor combinations. And just finding the right ones that that appeal the most. I think meatballs would be a great product. I know that would be very popular. You are not the first to say that. A lot of people have asked for meatballs. <laughs> what do you see as the overall future of prepared frozen meals from real food, prepared frozen paleo meals overall? Well, I definitely think they have a place in the market. I think people are looking for convenience and ease of use. I think with the whole delivery system, taking and meal kits, taking center stage. People are wanting things delivered straight to home now and sticking it in the freezer and being able to, like I said, pull it out when that emergency comes when we haven't prepared and we want something, you know, immediately. So I think there's always a place for it. And I think if companies can move more into the realm of being that trustworthy and transparent brand, because the consumer is becoming more and more conscious. I mean, all the things that we just talked about today are just more education for the consumer out there who's seeking nutrition and seeking health and knows that food plays a part in that. So becoming conscious and discerning the brands and the labels and the ingredients, I think there's definitely a place for the frozen market to continue and to grow. You know, like I said, there was a stigma with frozen food being just, you know, the TV dinners of the 50s, like that's just frozen. It's it's yucky, it's kind of hard and rubbery and what have you, but not anymore. I think that's changing a lot. I mean, I've had some frozen meal kits when I was really in the thick of getting this company up and running. There were times where I just could not prepare a meal. I didn't have time. So I had a few delivery services bring um, some food here and it was phenomenally tasty, delicious. So, you know, I think companies are hearing the consumers and are moving into that direction of making it sort of what I call frozen is the new fresh or frozen can be as good as fresh because you have those ingredients. And even our patties, like you can see the ingredients and the inclusions on the patty itself. I didn't want it to be some mushed hockey puck. <laughs> if you, uh, I wanted you to be able to see the little inclusions of lemon peel and a little 
tomato paste and some garlic. I mean, you can see everything in there. It's something like you would make at home. So I think if a company can do it right and eliminate all those, you know, inflammatory ingredients, I think frozen can be as good as fresh. I think it can too. And I hope that other people are learning that from the efforts that you're doing, as well as what I've been talking about on my blog, on this podcast, on my Instagram page, as well as I had mentioned there are other companies doing this too, that I hope that people are learning about that. So we're just about out of time, but before we go, can you let listeners know where they can find your website to learn more about your products? Certainly. Thank you. So we can be found at tribalifoods.com and that's like tribal, but with an I at the end and foods with an F. We also have our handle on Instagram where we post lots of pictures of both how we use our product and how our consumers use it. We are found in Whole Foods Market in the SOPAC region and here in California because that's where we produce. So we're in Bristol Farms and Gelson's and Lassen's and Irwan, and we're just rolling out the beginning of summer to 185 Super Target. So people will be able to find us across the U.S. soon. And you can also purchase us online on our website, on Amazon, and at thesimplegrocer.com. Excellent. Well, it's such a pleasure having you here. And you give us a great insight into the world of frozen real foods and your background in the whole Mediterranean Greek diet, how that fits in. So pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. That's all for this episode. If you liked it, you can continue on to the final episode in the All About the Beef series. I'll be talking to Lance Roll of The Brothery about the benefits of bone broth. <laughs>